getting to be one of my favorite stories in the Bible. I've used this story before. Uh, several months ago, we did a healing service. I used this story as a, as a healing message. Uh, but there's so much in here. Uh, so I'm going to use this again. All right. So verse 1. When Jesus returned to, to his town several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. The house was... Uh, soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room, even outside the door, while he was preaching God's word to them. Four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. Then they couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. So they dug a hole. That sounds good, right? They dug a hole through the roof above his head. Dug a hole in their roof, in the guy's roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, what is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking, so he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. Verse 12, and the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, and walked through, stunned onlookers. They were all amazed, praised God, exclaiming, we've never seen anything like this before. Come on, right? So good. This is speaking. So surprise, surprise, he's got a, a full crowd. Do you think Jesus is a good teacher? I would, I would think so, right? I'm sure people heard Jesus is coming. Obviously, there's going to be a, a full crowd on hand. I'm sure Jesus, you know, doesn't have all these, like, nerves that I get on a Sunday morning, like can't eat breakfast and all those kind of things. You know, I'm sure Jesus is, like, right into it. Everybody's just, like, focused on what he's saying because he's probably doing a really, really good job. Say, so praise Jesus. All right? So these four men carrying the paralyzed man up to the front door, and what do they find? There's no way they're going to get in. And I'm sure one of the guys, or maybe the paralyzed man, it doesn't say this in the, in the word, but I'm going to put it in here first for my thought process, you know. It's like there's got to be a way we can squeeze through there. We've carried you all this way. There's got to be a way that we can squeeze in there, right? And the guy's are like, come on, we've we got to be able to do this. And no, there's no room. It's packed, you know? It's like probably trying to get into Super Bowl on, on Super Bowl Sunday. Like, the stadium would be packed out, right? There's no room, no way you can squeeze in. But these four guys are absolutely amazing. And so what I loved about Kathy's word there, what her testimony is, that she's so thankful for the group around her. So thankful for those people in her life that can help encourage her, right? Help encourage her and pat her kids, you know? Do we have people in our lives that are willing to carry us? People in our lives that will be bringing us towards Jesus, right? 
So, or do you have people in your life that are like, you open up the front door, oh, it's, it's too packed, there's no way you're going to get in. So they drop you at the front door and be like, well, Jesus will probably come out, right? Jesus, well, he's got to come out eventually. So I'm going to leave you there, and then I'll be back to catch you. Now, Jesus is quite the talker, so he's probably going to go on for a while. That's a joke again, okay. Um, but again, we're going to leave you there because Jesus will come out. But again, oh, no, Jesus, he likes to feed people too, doesn't he? Right? He likes to spontaneously feed a lot of people. So he's probably going to feed this crowd in here. So maybe we'll come back tomorrow to get you. Because Jesus likes to talk. He likes to feed people. So that you're, he's not leaving anytime soon. So we're just going to leave you there. We'll come back tomorrow and get you. Right? Do you have friends like that? Or do you have friends that maybe won't carry you at all towards Jesus? Maybe they're like, oh, sorry, we're, we're too busy right now. You know, I know what you're going through, but again, like, I just can't help you right now. Or do you have people in your life that get to the front door and see that it's no way to get in, but don't give up on you, right? We need relationships like that, don't we? We need people in our lives that will help carry us towards Jesus when we fall down. You know, David had Jonathan, Moses had Aaron, right? There's lots of examples in the Bible where, we, where people had each other to help carry them towards Jesus, right? Carry them in the right direction. Because we don't want to just be Sunday friends, you know? I, I know I've definitely been guilty of this in my past. It's just like, yeah, we show up to church on a Sunday. It's really good. Hi, how are you, right? It's really great seeing each other on a Sunday, right? But we need more than that, don't we? We need those connections through the week, right? And I know life gets busy, right? We're, we're busy all the time. Definitely now, like, what is this, like September 9th today or something like that, right? Like the days are just flying by. They're not slowing down, are they? And we can have the best of the best of the best intentions, but it takes effort on our part, doesn't it? It takes effort on our part to, to keep those good relationships going, okay? So we need those relationships when we fall down in order to bring us towards Jesus, okay? And uh, I think it's uh, 2 Samuel 12 or 1 Samuel 12 or something along those lines. You can read about David and Jonathan's relationship, uh, which is really, really cool. Um, but I'm going back to Mark 2 again is that, so his friends carry them up onto the roof. So in those houses back then, there would have been like a side stairwell leading up to the roof, right? Flat roof, side stairwell. So it's not like they had to climb up on a ladder or anything like that. Um, but I'm sure it still wasn't easy to carry this man up there. Okay, so they carry him up and they start ripping away at the roof. And again, those kind of houses, not like ours today, not like shingles and stuff like that. It would have been like mud and clay and all that kind of stuff. So it wasn't like, I would say it wasn't like severe damage done to their house. Probably was like a bit of an easier fix, okay? Um, but anyways, the men drop him down. It says they, they lowered him down. But I wonder how close could they get him to Jesus, right? Was it a drop? Or were they able to, to lower him down? It, doesn't, it says they lowered him down, but I wonder how far that drop was. You know, and the point of it is, is that drop probably didn't feel the greatest, don't you think? Probably hurt a little bit, you know? And it's like, do you have friends in your life that love you so much that just because it hurts a little bit, they're willing to call you out on it, right? They're willing to drop you 
that little bit in order for you to get closer to Jesus, right? Nathan rebukes David. You know, David just has this, sleeps with Bathsheba, right? Gets her husband killed, all these awful things, right? And, but he confronts David. And thankfully, David, being the man that he is, repents and asks for forgiveness and all that kind of stuff, right? But do you have somebody in your life that will call you on your junk? You know, even when we don't want to hear it, right? We're like, yeah, I don't, I don't want somebody to call me on all my stuff. You know, I'm, I'm perfect, right? I'm Adam Ryan. I'm, I'm 100% perfect. I need, we need people. We all need people in our lives that are like, love us so much that even though it's going to hurt a little bit maybe, but you have a plan over your life, right? Maybe you're not living up to your potential. God's got a bigger plan for you. So, and I think in, in the church that we get so good at pushing people away sometimes. This might hurt a little bit, um, but I think it's a really good word, is that in the church, I've, I've seen it so many times that when people fall down, the church separates themselves from those people, don't they? Right? Somebody falls into to sin, right? A leader falls into sin, and instead of the church welcoming them, loving them, the church is like, oh, sorry, there's the door, you know? We don't want to have anything a part of that. We don't want to be affiliated with that sin, right? But I think we need to get so much better at loving people when they're down. Can I get an amen for that? Right? The church needs to be the most welcoming place in the world. Right? Look to the person beside you. The church needs to be the most welcoming place. Tell your friend that. Right? Needs to be the most welcoming place. Right? We're so good at letting people go when they go in through their hardest parts in their lives. But that's when the church needs to be the most real and love them where they are, isn't it? I love my coffee right now, too. Thank you. Now, I'm not trying to put any kind of shame or guilt, right? It's just this word that I think is really powerful and really, really important is that we need to get better at loving people when they're down, right? When we have people in our lives that can't get to Jesus, maybe. Maybe they've, they've fallen so low, they just don't know which direction to go, right? They're at the end of the rope. They're like, God, I don't know what to do. We need people in our lives that will help carry us to the feet of Jesus, okay? So it's not that we, we love the sin that they're in or anything like that, but it's loving people where they're at, Okay? So I just want to make sure I'm clear with that. Um, you know, it's getting real with our community. If you're on Facebook, you're on our Facebook group and stuff like that. Amy, my wife, she, she posted a word there yesterday, I think it was. And she was just being very vulnerable, right? Very real with how hard things have been. She shared just like a brief little message there this morning, just how tough things have been, right? And, but we need that in a community. We're not a real community if we can't be real with one another, Right? And now I'm not saying you need just to like let your heart out to every single person. You obviously need to build relationships, right? You need to build good relationships. But you also don't want to be fake either, right? And it's getting those people in your life that you trust and be like, you want to know something, Carl? Like, I'm just, I'm a mess, you know? And having those types of relationships where they can just encourage you, 
But then on the other way around, you got to be real with them and be able to encourage them, okay? All right, sometimes doors don't look like doors, all right? Uh, I've read this word several different times. I've heard it different times. Um, so it's not Adam Ryan's word. I wish it was, but I'm gonna, I gotta give credit where credit's due. Uh, but sometimes the obvious isn't obvious, okay? Gideon, the angel of the Lord says, Gideon, you mighty warrior. What was Gideon doing when the angel of the Lord came and said, you mighty warrior? He was in hiding, right? He was at nighttime working, hiding, because he was afraid. And yet God sees him as this mighty warrior, okay? Moses, Moses gets called to, to deliver a nation, and Moses is like, God, not me. No, like, I can't do this. Nobody's going to listen to me, right? Who am I to deliver a nation, right? Because what we think is obvious isn't always obvious to God, and I'm extremely thankful for that because I probably wasn't the obvious choice to be here today either, but it's answering that call when you've been called, right? A lot of people miss Jesus when Jesus was born, right? Why? Because it wasn't obvious. You know, you'd expect the Son of God to be like, you know, come down with this bolt of lightning, glorious everything around him, right? The nicest place, the nicest stuff. But Jesus came in a manger, in diapers. Do you think Jesus cried as a baby? Yeah, of course, right? And so a lot of people would have missed that because it just didn't come obvious, right? Doors in our lives aren't always obvious. Sometimes you get to that first door, right? And it's just like, okay, I'm not going to get in there, so we're going to try another door, right? That roof didn't look like a normal door. I think Jesus probably liked their craftsmanship, knowing Jesus' background as a carpenter and stuff like that. I'm sure Jesus appreciated their craftsmanship. And like, guys, you guys are doing really good. You know, but maybe we need to get creative, right? That door, maybe you have to get creative with your door. We're going to read Acts 16, 25. Everybody still with me? Come on, I like vocal, all right? I'm quite a quiet person, but I like it when people are vocal. I'm making sure, thank you, I got to make sure everybody's awake, you know? I have, I have the heat up here, so I'm making sure I didn't turn it up too hot, and everybody's just like, oh, this is good, the Holy Spirit, I'm just so comfortable right now. I'm just soaking in the glory, and next thing you know, I'm sloking, as they would say. You're sleeping and soaking and all those kind of things. We're not doing that right now, okay? Maybe later. Yeah, what did I say here? Act 16, right? Uh, 25 to about verse 30 here. Just to give you a little short background on this, uh, Paul and Silas are right in prison, or not in prison quite yet, but they're going into prison. Uh, they're going around preaching the good news. There is this woman following them. She's a fortune teller. She's telling people, like, oh, be wary of these guys. They're trying to get people saved and all those kind of things. All of a sudden, Paul and Silas are like, we've had enough of this. No more of this. They command the demon and her to leave. The demon leaves. All of a sudden, her boss gets upset with them because they've, you know, taken away her, their, his money, I should say. All right? So they're all very upset. All right? The woman, the boss, the crowds, they get upset. They throw Paul and Silas into prison. They get whipped. They get beaten with rods and all those kind of things, all right? So that picks us up in 25. Sounds like a really, really good story, you know? All right, so around midnight, Paul and Silas were, were praying and singing hymns to God. Tell your friend that's a really good thing to do, praying and singing, all right? 
especially when you're going through hard times. Thank you. And the other prisoners were listening. Listening. That's good right there. People around them listening to your worship time, your prayer time. People around you are listening. That's a side note. That's a little rabbit trail. You can preach that next week, Melissa, okay? Um, gosh, I got to focus here. I'm doing, sun, I'm doing homeschooling with my kids, and it's all about focusing, and I'm so out of focus right now. It's on Jesus, so. Whew. All right. They were listening. Verse 26. Suddenly there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundation. Shaken to its foundation, right, right to its core. All the doors immediately flew open, and all the chains of all the prisoners fell off. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open, and everybody ran out for freedom. Nobody stayed in their prisons. No, everybody stayed there. The prisoner was like, had his sword ready, going to kill himself because he knew this was going to be really bad. Everybody was gone. And Paul shuts out, no, we're all here. Every one of them are here. I was like, that's another good word. My goodness. I'm like, if I was in there, I don't know if I would have been waiting around to get caught again. I would have just been like, boom, there's the open door and I'm gone. Right? Come on, open door, go. Open doors, we go through those open doors, right? But no, they were all there, okay? So end of the story here, though. They all stayed there. The jailer's like, how do I get saved? They lead him to Jesus. Next thing you know, his whole family gets led to the Lord. I'm like, come on, all because you stayed. All because you stayed where you were. That open door wasn't an obvious open door. Or maybe that open door looked a little differently. And they all get saved. Yes. So maybe your open door looks like a jail cell. One of those jail cell open doors. Oh, that's, that sounds a little weird, right? A jail door, maybe not. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. But again, it's thinking creatively, right? That open door that's possibly in front of you doesn't look like a normal door, okay? I'm going to say that repeatedly this morning so you get that down pat, not just in your head but in your heart, that your open door in front of you might not look like a door like that. It might look like a door that I built, which is crooked, you know, falling apart maybe. I made these one of those little like trash container spots to like keep all my trash in to keep raccoons out of that. If you're here a few weeks ago, you know that I didn't do a good job making that because they've been getting into that. But my, my doors aren't the best doors. But again, God doesn't use the most obvious things. Amen. All right. Thank you. So the four... I'm a little bit all over the place this morning, guys, but it's, gonna, it's all going to end really, really well. The four, kind of backing up a little bit, is that they obviously were up on top, right? But before they go up top, they're at that front door again, and they ate too much pie. They thought they should come back down, burn more calories. No, but they're at the front door, right? But they don't give up, okay? They don't give up. That word persistence keeps coming up for me every single week is being persistent, right? But I love it because we can get so transfixed on something that we don't get, right? It's like, oh, you can't have that. And next thing you know, it's just like your mind's a one thing. You know, all you can think about is that one thing you can't have, right? They don't stay at that front door and they don't complain about not getting in, right? 
They don't stay there and be like, guys, this is awful. Like, we just carried him all this way. He's not getting any lighter here. This was not easy, right? They don't stay at that front door complaining about it, right? Okay? They do something about it. Because we can easily say, oh, that, it's God's will that you're not getting healed today because that front door wasn't open. So we might as well turn around because if it was God's will, you would have got in that front door. That's a good word too. Yeah. You know, if it was God's will, I would have got through that front door. I've definitely been guilty of thinking that right off the bat. It's just like, well, if this was God, then it would have been easy. I would have just got right through that. I would have got to school of ministry on my first time. It wouldn't have cost me a dime. God would have gave me every single penny for it, right? But sometimes those doors don't look like doors, okay? Matthew 7, 7 and 8, I'm going to kind of paraphrase this on you guys. Ask, seek, knock. Pray about it. God, what are you saying about it? And then knock on the door, okay? Amy and I, when we got done school and ministry, we were like, we're going to Wasega Beach. We're starting a church there with Peter and Heather Jackson, an amazing couple. And it was just like, that's be the best thing, to be under some people that you admire and be like, yeah, they have a great anointing on their life. And then the second best thing is to be on the water, the beach, right? It'd be amazing. So we put all of our eggs in that basket. We're like, yeah, we're definitely doing this. And did I seek God on it? Probably not, to be totally honest with you. I heard the word beach, and I was ready. I was gone. Um, but I think God loves that about me too, right? But I was just like, God, you're amazing, but I heard the word beach. So it's like dog and squirrels. You know, they hear squirrel, and they just go after. And I heard beach. I'm just like, I'm going. Uh, but every door that I knocked at didn't open. I applied for so many different types of jobs, couldn't get anything. And I was like a personal trainer for like, well, like eight or 10 years at that point. I was applying to all these different kind of gym jobs and stuff like this. And I'm like, I'm overqualified for those kind of jobs, but I wasn't even getting a call back. I wasn't even getting like a thank you for applying email, but we don't need you right now. I wasn't getting anything, nothing. And then all of a sudden, I got this one job I applied for that I wasn't qualified whatsoever for. It was like a manager at a YMCA, and I was just like, well, this would be amazing. It's like $80,000 a year job. I'm like, hallelujah, come on. I could, I could buy some stuff with $80,000, you know. could have a nice house on the beach, right? I have a nice beach house, right? I'm like, praise God, this is God, you know. So I get a telephone interview, the same day that Freshwind started, so my lovely family-in-laws here, they just take off to Freshwind. I mean, I stay home at their house with my daughter. I'm like, you guys go have fun. I'll stay here and do my telephone interview. And my daughter at the time, Aslan, she's probably like two years old, maybe three. Uh, bless her heart. She made those lovely chocolate cupcakes over there this morning. If you had one, I think they may be gone now. But anyways, um, she shut the ringer off on the phone. And I didn't know this. And I'm like, okay, I'm checking my watch because I'm like, this is a big job. They're going to call me right at like 2 o'clock and like 5 after 2. I'm like sweating. I'm like, oh, my gosh, what's going on? I'm like freaking out here. And then I'm like 10 after. I'm like, okay, something's wrong. So I check the phone. And I'm like, oh, no, the ringer's off. I'm like, Aslan, you're amazing. You know, she's napping away. I'm like, you're so beautiful. I love you so much. But I'm like, I kiss away $80,000. Uh, but anyways, 
I emailed the company because I'm like, I know this is unacceptable. For this position, you just don't do those kind of things, right? Even though that was out of my hands, but I'm just like, I emailed them, let out my heart a little bit. Do you think I got a call back or an email back? No. I, I, I missed that chance, you know? But anyways, I think it's God closing the door maybe, right? So I blessed Dallas and I forgave her all those wonderful things. Because, uh, again, what I think is obvious isn't always obvious, okay? You go through the door, right? You did it once. You think, oh, I'm going to go through that same door again. Makes sense, doesn't it? It's obvious, right? It's like God did it this way, so he's definitely going to do it that way again, right? Makes sense? Moses struck the rock, does it again. Was that the right thing to do? No right? The Israelites are in battle. God gave them victory. God gave them an open door one way. So they thought, oh, God gives victory this way. We went through that door. It worked really, really well. So I'm going to do the same thing again. And it cost them thousands and thousands and thousands of soldiers' lives because they didn't seek God, right? Moses did it out of anger, hit the rock out of anger, didn't seek God, right? So we need to ask, seek, knock, okay? All right. We're getting through it, guys. Almost done. Okay, so the guys are up on the roof. They're bringing the guy in. It's crowded in the house, right? They're squeezed in. And all of a sudden, they hear noises going up on the roof. Like, these guys must be, like, wondering what's going on up there, right? Jesus is teaching. Everybody's, like, fully focused on him. All of a sudden, they start hearing noises up on the roof, right? They think it's raccoons or something like that. No, it's, they're like, they're wondering what's going on. All of a sudden, they start seeing dirt. They start seeing these clay fall down from the ceiling. They're trying to focus on Jesus, but they're looking up there. They're trying to focus on Jesus, but looking up there, their minds are probably going crazy because these are experts of the law. These are very intelligent people, probably wondering what the heck is going on right now. And all of a sudden, I'm wondering if Jesus is drinking his Tim Hortons coffee like I am today. Is he smiling or is he just like teaching through going on? And he's probably... There we go. But again, I don't know if Jesus stops teaching as this is all happening. I'm assuming he's going to keep teaching because this is Jesus we're talking about. He knows, right? Okay? But the point of it is, is there's a distraction going on. Okay? There's a big distraction going on. And one of those doors in our lives is that distraction rob us of the miracle that's going to happen in our lives. Okay? We always think there's this perfect time for everything, right? This wasn't a healing service going on when Jesus was teaching. He wasn't doing a healing service. He was teaching, right? So these guys get through the roof, and they're like, they look down maybe, and they're like, Jesus, he's not doing healing today. He's teaching. We should come back another day, right? Or like, oh, maybe when he takes a drink of his coffee, maybe we'll drop him down then because that will be the perfect time. Or maybe, no, I got it, I got it, I got it, I got it. Let's drop him down when he starts his ministry time because Jesus doing ministry time is going to be really powerful. That's going to be the perfect opportunity to drop this man down, okay? Sometimes what we think is the perfect opportunity isn't the perfect opportunity. Sometimes our miracles come in the monks of distractions, okay? So don't let distractions rob you from your miracle. You know, being at the school of ministry and stuff like this, I, like, I laughed and laughed and laughed all the time. 
you know, I would get this uncontrollable laugh. You could talk to, you know, my family here and stuff like that. I would get these crazy laughters, rolling on the floor, laughing away. And it was probably a huge distraction to people around me, right? And, but if you were to ask me, Adam, what's going on in my heart? It was all good, right? Even though it's a huge distraction probably to people around me, it was really, really good, right? And then all of a sudden, it's just like, well, I noticed, like, oh, I'm not laughing like I used to. And so I prayed about it. I'm like, God, am I getting further away from you? Or like, what's going on here? And God told me, it's like, Adam, you spent so many years of your life, you know, after your parents have divorced with depression, sadness, and all these things, that I blessed you with this laughter to, t- to take that all away. And so when it came to an end, he's just like, it's finished. And I'm like, hallelujah. I was thankful for that time, right? Even though it's probably a distraction to people around me, God was doing a breakthrough in my life, right? And so if you let distractions around you take you out of the game, you walk out. These people, these experts of the law, if they didn't stay in that room, they would have missed out on this guy getting healed, right? And at the end of that, it says that that was the most amazing thing we've ever seen. But if you let that distraction take you out of the game, guess what? You missed on an amazing testimony, right? You missed on a miracle that could happen in your life. You missed on a breakthrough that can happen in your life. Amen? Being at the school ministry, you obviously see lots of different ministries going on and stuff like that. They do this week or this teaching on anger, which is really, really powerful. And at the end of it, the ministry time is incredible. And I remember when I was a small group leader there, there was this one young girl. She was just like screaming like crazy. And like it was throwing me off. Like how, like, oh my goodness, like this sounds really scary. But when you talked to her at the end of it and you heard her testimony of the breakthrough that she just went through, years and years and years of all this built up stuff, and to hear her breakthrough, I was like, praise God, right? So don't let the distractions around you take you away from your miracle, okay? Thank you. God is good. All right. All right, sometimes when we open doors, when God opens a door, I should say, it leads to opposition in your life. Okay, I'm trying to find the verse here. I think it's 1 Corinthians uh, 69, there it is. Uh, Paul says, many oppose me. Paul has this amazing upper door for ministry, right? It leads to this amazing revival, but he says, many people oppose me. When we go through an open door, when you take the faith to step through that open door, guess what? A lot of times people are going to oppose you. Why? Because God is moving in your life. Okay? When Amy and I decided to go to school and ministry, when it actually happened, when that door finally opened, you know, we had to tell family members and, you know, all this kind of stuff that I'm leaving a good paying job and we're paying $12,000 so we can go to a ministry school with a, a one year old daughter, right? To, you know, our in-laws and stuff like that, passionate about Jesus, they're like, yes, totally, without a question. Like, that's the best thing you could ever do, right? And thank you for those people around me to encourage us. Because for me, I was a new Christian. I was like, this doesn't make sense. Like, why would I pay $12,000? I really, really want to go, but $12,000, I'm like, that's a lot of money. You know, I bless my dad. He's like, you know, years of him just like, yeah, you know, you got to work, you got to make money, you got to get a house, you got to have a family, you got to have a job, you got to have a car, all these kind of things, right? You do what is obvious. But in my heart, I wanted to go to a school so bad. When I accepted Jesus in my life, I was like, God, I just want more of you. And this may not make sense, but we told people, and like 80% of them were all very supportive, right? There was just a few people that are like, what are you doing? 
$12,000 like in Wingham, Ontario, that's like a really, really, really good down payment on a house, you know? That's the obvious thing to do. Save that money for a down payment on a house. And I'm like, I can't do that. You know, I felt this call to go through a door, right? We all have critics in our life that are going to tell you, you can't do it. This is not a smart choice, right? We all have those critics, right? I'm not saying every time you go through an open door, I'm not speaking that over anybody here, but I'm saying a lot of times, right? They drop him down. The experts of religious laws are like, they're talking in their monks themselves, right? Like, who is this to be able to, like, forgive sins and all those kind of things, right? When we go through open doors, a lot of times it can lead to opposition, okay? All right, last thing here before I give you a couple practical steps. Um, with Jesus, the man falls down at his feet. Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. Do you think that man was disappointed that Jesus didn't say, get up and walk right away? No. Probably because back then, they related to sin, you know, those kind of things, to diseases, right? To illnesses and stuff like that. So this man probably felt encouraged. You know, even though Jesus didn't give him the healing right away, he probably felt encouraged because this man probably dealt with whether there was sin or not. He probably felt shame and felt guilty because everybody around him is like, you must have done these terrible things because you're paralyzed, right? So for Jesus to speak that over his life, your sins are forgiven, you know, I can pretty much kind of almost guarantee you that he probably felt a lot better, okay? So the point of this part is that Jesus cares about the physical healing, Right? He got healed, he got his physical healing, but more importantly, his heart, his soul, that's what Jesus is after. The very first thing he does is he takes care of his heart and his soul. Okay, Jesus is 100% for the healing, right? Wants to see this man walk, he wants everybody to get healed, right? That's his heart, but he's after our soul, right? And that's the very first thing he does. He's like, I love you so much, you're forgiven, right? So practical steps, guys, I got four, I think four here for you, is you want to pray them in, okay? You're like, Adam, I don't have those people in my life that are, that are going to carry me towards Jesus. You know, we can start to feel bad about all those kind of things, but we start to pray them in, right? Pray those relationships in, okay? Be thankful. Second thing is be thankful for opposition. Why? Because you know Jesus is doing something in your life right? If you're not having any opposition in your life, that's where I would be more, like, weary of, like, this is all easy. I'm just, like, floating through life here, right? Opposition, you want to be thankful for that opposition, right? When people start to be against you, be like, I'm thankful for that because God is moving in my life. God is doing something powerful in my life because the enemy is afraid of what's going on, okay? You know, I'm sure Amy, obviously, being a woman pastor, could tell you a lot about people being in opposition to her, right? Being as a man, as a pastor, it's a totally different story. But Amy, as a pastor, is totally different for her. We've had people say, I'm never going to come to a church when there's a woman up in, in leadership. And here in Catch the Fire, we're 100% for women up in leadership. You can come any single, every single Sunday. You'll always see probably a woman of some sort being up on the leadership team. Melissa, I'm sure, could give you story after story of how people have come against her being a worship leader, being an amazing speaker too, okay? But again, we need to thank those people that who oppose us because God is doing something huge in their lives, okay? Push through the distractions. Third thing is you push through those distractions. Don't let those distractions rob you of your miracle, okay? And then the last one here is doors, doors lead to opportunities, okay? 
doors lead to opportunity, okay? We have faith to step through those doors, okay? You take an action, and you're going to trust God, like Pat and Kathy, you know, they trusted God that Ethan's 100% healed, right? It's a step of faith. It was a door of opportunity. Like, God, you have healed him. We're claiming this. We're doing this in faith. We believe you on your word, okay? All right? So I'm going to get you guys to stand up. We're going to pray here. Um, I had a little fun with this one. We have an acronym from DOOR this morning. So D-O-O-R, distraction, opportunity, opposition, and relationships, okay? So if you like to write things down, you like to Instagram those kind of things, it's my hashtag this morning, distractions, opportunity, opposition, and relationships, okay? I always have to have an Instagram tag or something along those lines, you know? So we're going to do some, some ministry here, okay, guys? So I just want you to close your eyes this morning. Take a deep breath for me, guys. I felt like this morning God saying that, you know, there's doors in front of you this morning that aren't obvious. And I feel like for a lot of us this morning, we're, we've been praying about this door, right? We're looking for this opportunity this morning. We've been looking for this opportunity for quite some time. So this morning, we want to just ask, seek, knock this morning. Father, we thank you right now for those doors that are right in front of us, God. God, help us to see those doors that are right in front of us, Father. God, that you would open up our eyes, Father. God, and we know that those doors may not look obvious, Papa, but we just pray against all, anything that's been hindering us to seeing those doors this morning. Because God is telling you there's a breakthrough coming. There's a breakthrough coming. As you step through that door this morning, there is a breakthrough coming. And that breakthrough might not look obvious. It might not look how you expect that breakthrough to look like, right? But that breakthrough is coming. <laughs>